Today's diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations tend to focus heavily on demographic fields of diversity, like gender, age, race, and ethnicity. While these are critical elements of our identity, they often limit to a finite set of boxes that we can fit into. When we narrow our view of DEI, we crop out details from a larger, richer, and more complete picture. By extension, when we fail to see each person completely as a whole, we don't benefit from the fullness of their unique contributions and potential. And if this is true for an individual, it's amplified for groups. That's why we're seeking to open the aperture on how diversity is understood by looking beyond the surface to what influences the ways we think, or what we call cognitive diversity. And to turn this into reality, we've created an offering that focuses not just on what makes us diverse, but how we understand and appreciate cognitive diversity on teams to unleash creativity, harmony, agility, and even joy. Which brings us to our extraordinary luminary fellow, Akori Johnson, an incredible cellist, looper, and composer who brought us new insight in defining harmony with cognitive diversity through the metaphor of music. Welcome, Akori. Hey, thank you for having me, Dolly. It's great for you to be here. We've been working with Akori for many years. In the last eight months, we've developed a new perspective on cognitive diversity and put it into action through multiple sessions with the Fortune 500 and Forbes Global 2000 company. Akori, what's been your biggest aha moment during this process? Um, when it comes to making a case for diversity being an important part of making teams that optimally function, um, that kind of granular look at not just where you come from or who you are, but how you think, seems really compelling. As we widen the aperture on diversity, we thought it important to look at what are all the ways that not only are the visible ways in which we might be different from one another, but what are the ways that really influence the way we think, mm -hmm. the way we make meaning, the way we imagine. So demographic diversity, absolutely a part of that, but alongside it, cognitive and neurodiversity, sort of how we think, our uh, lived and learned experiences. And so we, we started to think about how do these all shape the way that we think as human beings? Now this sounds like a big, heady idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we, were, we had lots of conversations around how do we make this accessible? Music is especially wonderful for having this conversation because of the fact that the various musical instruments that we know are all so different from each other. If you don't know much about musical instruments, you probably don't know about the ways in which they're different, much like the way our brains work, right? It's not really until you start talking about how our brains work and how we think and, and what has informed how we think that we get a sense to, you know, maybe even understand how we could be different from each other. And not so much just understand how we could be different, but how those differences might really complement each other. You can think about it from the rational side of the brain of why it makes for a good metaphor to talk about the diversity within a group of people. But the other thing that's really interesting about music as a metaphor is the feeling mm. that you get from music, mm -hmm. which is a bit more intangible but is one of the really important things we talk about with with cognitive diversity. Absolutely. It's not just the unlock of the creativity or the ideas that emerge when you're able to bring cognitively diverse groups together, but also the feeling of joy yeah. that it creates in that moment. So I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about that. 
We've uh, been working on this really for like almost a year now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had so many, um, sometimes challenging and sometimes absolutely like beautiful and mind blowing conversations about cognitive diversity. And before we start talking about how cognitive diversity can produce that experience, I think it's important to say that in our conversations, looking at cognitive diversity from various different perspectives, looking at ourselves through this lens, we had these really powerful, joyful moments um, illustrating what we are suggesting that the work will do, right? So I was excited about that. The kind of joy is, is sometimes indescribable, except for it's not, because I imagine that in groups, when they really work well and when we're really learning from each other's differences and and, lear- and learning how to incorporate those differences, I think the same kind of joy is certainly attainable, right? I agree, totally, <laughs> totally. But it's, it, I think that's important for mm-hmm. us to, to realize is that we often talk about, let's make the business case for DEI, let's talk about the rational reasons for why people should have more diversity amongst their teams, et cetera. But we don't often talk about the emotional mm-hmm. case Absolutely. for it. And Right now in this day and age, people are thinking about employee retention, recruiting, et cetera. So we're coming back from COVID. How are people sort of coming back together? How are we addressing things like isolation and feeling alone? And so these these feelings of happiness, inclusion, joy, creativity, these are at the heart, I think, of what a lot of organizations strive for Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. can often pose great challenges for them. So... So talking about this in a sense of not just why to do it from a business sense or the business case for it, but also the emotional case for DEI can be quite powerful, certainly for the individuals involved, but also if you're a leader, what that emotion can actually unleash for a group. Now, what's interesting about this is we've also talked about the roller coaster of emotions Mm -hmm. (laughs) that happen. And we've talked about there's a role that tension plays mm, yeah. as well as harmony. And so can you talk to us a bit about how those two things factor in from the musical metaphor? Yeah. So uh, I just want to play, uh, it's not a, a really bad chord, but the way it fits right now, it's basically a, a minor second. It's kind of really uncomfortable. Minor third, I'm sorry. Right? We, um, we probably wouldn't describe this and so good and it feels kind of like a deliverance of sorts right like a a return right so you know this is a a major third and a lot of times people kind of describe it as like like a zen thing you can kind of maybe imagine meditating to it. it it can be really good right but if this is all we hear all the time it'll get boring And so what we find that music is, really good music, is that it's basically the story of going from from that to that, from the the discomfort, from the tension, from the angst to the release, right? Mm. In some ways, you don't actually really get to experience joy 
unless you're going through challenge. That that happy is not quite the same thing as joy, and a nice sound is not this, quite the same thing as a resolution, as the release of tension that perhaps has been built up. That's life, right? That's, that's work, that's groups, that's relationships, both personal and work relationships. And we oftentimes can forget how important the tension is. Um, and convince ourselves that tension is only evidence of the fact that something is broken or something is bad. When more often than not, sometimes tension is just evidence of growth and growth is ultimately a return home. How do you, from a, from a music perspective, how do you go from that tension to the resolution, the harmony? Because yeah. so often when we think about something like diversity, equity, and inclusion, the hardest part is the getting comfortable being uncomfortable, mm-hmm, sitting mm-hmm, in the tension mm-hmm. as you as you talked about it, which is which as we are yeah. realizing and learning from you is an important part of the process in order to get to the resolution and the harmony. Yeah. But how does one move from tension to harmony? I think sometimes the tensions in work groups often are, well, this is how we have always done it, or this is how it should be done, or this is what makes us feel comfortable or good, as opposed to What is this opportunity inviting us to consider? Uh, Maybe even another way of saying it that just feels less high stakes is just an invitation to discover. A big thank you to our Bright House luminary, Corey Johnson, for joining us today. And you can follow him on Instagram. He's OKCello. That's me, O-K-C-E-L-L-O. Thank you so much for having me, Dolly. This has been a joy. Thank you, Corey. We really appreciate it.